Hello, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife Odewire. In this episode of the podcast, I spoke to Leon Rosen about how MSLs can be strategic and develop a medical affairs strategy. Leon has so much experience working as a global and regional medical affairs director in the US, Europe, and the Asia-Pac region. We spoke about how medical affairs are more than just compliance, generating insights, how MSLs can demonstrate their value to their company, and much more. I really enjoyed recording this episode, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to it. Leon, hello, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. Thank you, Aoife. It's uh, my pleasure to be here today. Well, I'm really excited for this conversation. I think the audience is going to get a lot out of it. So before we dive in, can you tell the audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. So I am Australian, which uh, hopefully people can tell from my accent, uh, and uh, I'm a haematologist by training many years ago, but uh, moved uh, into the industry fairly early on in my career, and so have been in and around uh, pharma for uh, 25 plus years. Uh, my I have worked in small pharma, I've worked in medium, I've worked in large international pharma. Uh, I've been at a couple of startups. I had my own medical communications and medical education uh, business for a while, very early on in my career when uh, things were very different to what they are now. And I think what people think of as medical communications now uh, would not go anywhere near describing uh, what I did, uh, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. I have uh, worked in Australia, obviously, uh, but also have worked in uh, London um, in a uh, local affiliate role um, and also doing some regional work across Europe. Uh, part of uh, being in Australia also meant that I had exposure to Asia Pacific and uh, did a regional role for a while and have actually just come back to Australia after seven years in the United States doing uh, global roles and living in Chicago, which uh, for, for an Australian, um, we actually loved the winters there. Wow, that is surprising that you're able to uh, enjoy the winters in Chicago. I've heard it is exceptionally cold there in winter. Uh, yeah, it can get very bitter, but I guess maybe it's because it's something we weren't experienced uh, with and certainly snow on a on a regular basis and uh, in an urban area is something that's very unusual in Australia um, and certainly not snow that sort of stays around. So uh, it, uh, it was a bit of a novelty and uh, that novelty lasted all seven years. Uh, so I, I used to really enjoy just standing out in the snow and for me, I think, what got to me was, I mean, apart from the fact that it's actually very pretty and, and, and relaxing, but it's very quiet. Snow does not make noise. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so it was a really good seven years. Fantastic. Well, you bring such a wide range of experience. Um, so I'd love to talk today because I know this is something that you have experience in, in terms of um, medical affairs and developing a medical affairs strategy. And I'd love to hear your take, given your experience on what is the role of medical affairs in terms of developing a strategy? Yeah, no, that's a great question and, and, and really topical too, I think. I think, you know, medical affairs at the very least is a, a strategic partner in, uh, in a pharmaceutical company. Um, you know, in the past, when I started uh, many, many years ago, 
medical affairs was, uh, you know, seen as, in part, it was seen as the uh, enemy of commercial to some extent, uh, because the role was very much where, where the two groups uh, interacted uh, was very much at a compliance level. And, uh, you know, the role of medical affairs in those days was to review materials. So basically the experience that commercial had with medical was uh, of us coming back and saying, sorry, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Uh, no, there's no way you can say that. Um, you know, that, and that, you know, there was always that tension. And in fact, my first job in the industry was uh, created uh, because of that specific tension. So uh, at the company, they had a medical director and they had their commercial uh, folk uh, and they didn't really, well, they got on, but there was, they were always sort of at loggerheads in terms of, you know, what could they say? What could they not say? Um, and so they created this associate medical director role specifically, if you like, to try and bring in somebody who would work with the commercial group. So in some ways, I was really lucky when I started because I actually went into a position where commercial wanted medical to, to be that partner and not to just be there as, no, you can't do that, or as they saw it, you know, the police, um, for, you know, the compliance police. Obviously, things changed over the last couple of decades, and I think that change is really accelerating for, for a lot of reasons. So I think, you know, a lot of the compliance rules and, and what people can and can't do and what various functions can and can't do has changed. And so obviously medical has taken on a much greater role. And I think, you know, for MSLs, um, you know, when I was involved with MSLs, you know, directly involved with MSLs, what, 15, 16 years ago, it was, they were still pretty, it was still pretty early on. Uh, and, you know, the MSLs were there as, well, you know, commercial can't talk off-label, so we need these medical people out in the field. And there was still a view at that stage that the MSL was, you know, a super salesperson, and, uh, you know, medical fought hard against that. Um, obviously, things have changed a lot. And now, you know, the value of the MSL is not just in terms of what they can communicate out to, you know, thought leaders and to, to you know, healthcare professionals out in the field. It's very much about what they can bring in as well. So, um, you know, I, I think I have rambled a little bit there, Aoife, and uh, have forgotten. No, it's, it's, it's good. I was really enjoying um, your explanation of how medical is viewed. I've worked in companies previously where medical have been referred to as the fun police. Um, and yeah. to your point, it's very much like, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. Whereas I really, really believe that medical can be exceptionally um, strategic and bring true value into the company. And I think one of the ways that MSLs can bring true value into the company and help shape the strategy is by generating insights and particularly actionable insights from the field. Um, so would you be able to kind of maybe discuss a little bit more about what you consider an insight and how it can be used to shape a medical affairs strategy? Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I have seen a number of different definitions of insights uh, um, and I'm not sure that I'm, I'm really big on a definition, but I think 
in terms of understanding what an insight is, and, and as I was sort of getting to at the end of my ramble before, um, you know, the MSL really is that two-way conduit um, and that ability to bring insights in. And it's really about bringing in information that, you know, I guess makes the rest of the organisation understand what is happening actually at the coal face. And I think that's what's really critical. Um, you know, I think... For me, you know, as a you know, as a medical director and as the, you know, as a global medical director, I would be talking to, you know, I guess tier one, you know, international thought leaders, um, and that was great. And you'd be talking to the academics and and uh, you know the researchers, but interestingly, they're not always the people that uh, are actually treating most of the patients. And I think, you know, what the MSL can do is that they have that ability to talk to people who not only have that academic basis and maybe aren't necessarily, you know, the full on academic, but they're also doing a lot of treating. And so they get insights into, you know, what working with these patients is really like and able to bring that in. So it's that cold face, understanding the patient experience. And we talk a lot about, you know, the patient being at the centre of everything we do. And a lot of companies talk about that. Um, and I think the MSLs have that ability to really bring in that patient level information to help inform what is going into, you know, the, the deliberation you know, to create strategy. And, uh, you know, I, I do have some examples if you'd like me to sort of talk through those. Yeah, I, I think that would be great because um, some people listening won't have MSL experience and some will. So I think for those that are aspiring MSLs, it will be really useful to kind of understand what exactly an insight is, because it's one of those words that is thrown around a lot in the industry. And part of the reason I started this podcast was to try and get rid of some of the, the industry jargon that people hear so people can really understand what it means to be an MSL and to add value. Yeah, uh, which I think is a, a fantastic service because, you know, I think it's important for, the, for MSLs and aspiring MSLs to really understand where their value is. It's also important for us to be able to communicate to the rest of the organization where that value is. And, and 100%, certainly- 100%, because I guess um, to your earlier point, if an MSL can't communicate their value or medical affairs can't communicate their value, then they will only be seen as a source of compliance. Whereas I see medical affairs as a really strategic function um, of the pharma industry. So I think it is important that they are active in demonstrating their value. Absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. So I, I was involved in the launch of a product and uh, it, we were finishing off the phase three studies and uh, for a, a number of different reasons, we had the MSLs actually out there working with the investigators and, and talking to people quite actively, uh, you know, because they were, I guess, in, we were, you know, trying to get the studies completed. We were trying to get to full enrolment. Um, there were a number of challenges. And, and the first thing that, you know, the MSLs were able to do was actually able to go in, talk to those investigators and come back in with, you know, really good information about what it was that was getting in the way of them recruiting patients. 
So we were actually able to develop some strategies internally to you know, help with that. So uh, where it was possible, we were able to make amendments to the protocol so that we could change the inclusion and exclusion criteria and, and some of the initial testing and the way it was done to make it easier for the patients to get in, which made a difference to recruitment. So, you know, that was really, you know, critical in terms of us, uh, you know, reaching our, uh, you know, enrolment goal. The MSLs played a huge role in that. Yeah, but, and I, I love with that example that it's, it's so actionable. So it's not just that the MSL realised there was an issue with recruitment. They realised there was an issue with recruitment and then they took action to change the inclusion exclusion criteria. And then they were able to demonstrate their value by then speeding up recruitment. I think that's a fantastic example. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. And, uh, you know, it was highly lauded and, and became a model, um, you know, that the company wanted to use in future. I think the other thing, you know, uh, another time again with a with a launch um, was that we were obviously, you know, seeing data that was coming in. Uh, we were seeing the safety data that was coming in. Um, and there was one specific, you know, adverse event that was, reasonably common but you know at a mild to moderate level um, and so from a you know sitting there with a piece of paper and and reviewing things and you say well okay that's happening it's mild it's moderate um, you know that's okay we can we can put up with that um, you know that's what you get when you you sit in an office and you, you know you read data um, you get your interpretation of it but what we were getting back from the MSLs who were actually talking to investigators was that, yes, it might only be mild or moderate according to you know, our adverse event definitions, but it is actually making a huge impact on the patients. And you know, patients are actually saying they don't want to take this product anymore because of the adverse event, even though it's only mild or moderate. And so that insight, so that piece of information that's come back from the field actually changed a whole strategy in terms of what we were doing and how we created ad boards around this so that we could manage it. So it really changed the whole way we looked at it and understood what we needed to do to be able to launch this product successfully. So, and the MSLs and what they were able to bring back was critical in that. Yeah, and that's a, again, a really nice example because it demonstrates that and this and this is something that I think some people get confused by sometimes people think that you can't be strategic and patient focused which I don't think is true at all I think in order to be strategic you need to be patient focused and I think the example you just gave is a perfect example of that because at the end of the day yes there are many drugs that are effective but they also have side effects so it's about understanding how these side effects can be managed more effectively and so that patients can get the the best patient care and the MSL, as you mentioned previously, is really at the cold front to enable the internal pharmaceutical environment to understand what's really happening and what effect their products are having in the general population and what things can be done in order to ensure that patients can receive the best care. Mm. No, I, I agree. And, and I think 
a lot of times um, we and, and companies in general tend to forget that, that, um, you know, I think there's been, you know, that the patient is really central and I know we talk about it a lot, um, but sometimes, you know, in the, the rush of the day to day and, you know, all the things that happen, especially when you're sitting in an office, um, you've got a whole lot, especially these days of information coming through, um, you know, you can sort of, suddenly lose sight of that. And I think, you know, having the MSL there is, you know, brings you that ability to, you know, just put that reality and rechange that focus. Yeah, 100%. And in terms of, because I know you spoke a lot about um, launch medical affairs strategies. So if someone's listening and they have just been hired as an MSL and they're asked or as a medical manager and they're asked to develop a, develop a medical affairs strategy, what kind of things can they do in order to develop a medical affairs strategy? What are the first steps they should be taking? Yeah. So I think the first step for developing a medical affairs strategy is to think about, well, what is it that medical affairs really does? And, uh, you know, I, I think of it, um, I'm, I'm pretty simple in the way I approach things. Um, I talk a lot, but I, I'm, you know, that's, that's my other fault. But, um, you know, I think of medical affairs as, you know, we do evidence generation. Um, we, you know, we will do uh, evidence dissemination, data generation, data dissemination. Um, and we also do strategy and insights. And so it, when you look at what, what, what data do we need, um, when you think about what education is needed out there, you're thinking about, okay, what are the gaps? So if you think about data, we will get phase three data, we'll get registration data, um, and it's been designed specifically to allow registration of a product. And there will undoubtedly be questions that still remain in terms of how do we best use these products? How can we use them potentially in other indications? Um, you know, do we have the right dosing? You know, are there other things that we can do, which, um, you know, in, I guess, commercial parlance is, you know, this is life cycle management. And it's really about the MSLs and medical affairs to be out there talking to people and saying, okay, you know, here's the data that we've got. What other data do you want to see? Why do you want to see it? What do you think is missing? And, you know, bringing that back in so that the strategy can be formed around what are the gaps. I think in terms of education as well, it's about being out there talking to people and getting an understanding of what it is they do know or don't know. And um, I think one of the things that has struck me, um, you know, over my years in the industry is that, you know, we expect, you know, that practicing physician to basically know everything there is to know. And, you know, for a lot of the academics, they probably do. Um, but for a lot of consultants who are out there practicing, uh, you know, what they're focusing on is, you know, what's practical, what the, what's there for their patient. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the, the really nice science that's sitting behind it, yet they have an interest, but it doesn't necessarily affect their day to day. Um, so I think the MSLs have a role in going out there, having those discussions, coming back in and saying, well, you know, if we want this product used properly, um, you know, for the benefit, maximum benefit of a patient, we need to be able to educate people on 
A, B and C. So again, it's the education gaps. So, you know, medical is really, I think, critical and, you know, in terms of understanding what those gaps are. That's step one. Yeah, and I think as well, um, you made a great point about there is a big difference between academics and clinicians in terms of the role of the MSL. I know from my own experience that for the most part, if I am speaking to an academic, they spend so much time reading clinical papers and they can be really, depending on their background, they can be really, really interested in molecular mechanisms and really across the data. Whereas if I meet with someone who's a busy consultant who spends eight, 10 hours a day seeing patients, often MSL can add a lot of value to those people because they don't have as much time to be constantly reading all the new clinical papers that are out there. So an MSL can summarize um, some of the most important information and really add value to those clinicians. And and I think it's critical for, you know, a medical strategy to have in mind what those gaps are, how do we fill them? So, you know, do we need to create new data for, you know, for those consultants? And then how does the MSL best go out and communicate that data? And I think, you know, a medical strategy that doesn't include, um, you know, MSLs in terms of formulating that strategy, bringing data in, understanding what's happening and looking to formulate that strategy, I think falls short. Yeah, 100%. And I think it is really important for companies and for medical affairs teams to really have some kind of a platform where MSLs have an opportunity to share their insights. I've worked previously in companies where sometimes MSLs would just track insights in a CRM system and it's like where insights went to die, like nothing ever happened from it. And whereas I've worked for other companies where MSLs are giving a platform, maybe at brand team meetings or medical affairs meetings or cross-functional meetings, and they're really able to demonstrate, this is what I've learned this month by speaking to these people based on these insights, I think we should do X, Y, and Z and really generate discussion internally about how the strategy can be shaped by what's happening in the external therapeutic environment. Yeah, I think there's all sorts of different ways that companies approach it. I was at a company where essentially the MSLs would uh, write their insights into a spreadsheet. Uh, They would all be uh, collected together and then once a month they would get sent to, you know, the global medical person um, to review and, you know, pull out the the gems and um, being one of the people who uh, got to review insights from a month's worth of, you know, dozens of MSLs work. Um, you know, that was no small feat and uh, pulling gems out was actually not at all easy. And that's not to say that there weren't gems there at all. So, you know, I think, you know, there are companies and I think it is a struggle at times, uh, you know, to work out, okay, you know, these insights, you know, they're there and the MSLs are getting them how do we bring them in and how do we make sure that they're being used and you know everybody approaches it in a different way but you know certainly having an msl um, representative or two on a brand team um, you know in a regular medical affairs meeting coming in and saying right this is what you know this is what people are talking about this is what we're bringing back um, is is one part of of the uh, equation can i ask when you reviewed a whole 
big Excel sheet full of insights. Is there any advice you can give to people listening in terms of how they can structure an insight? So if they do have a gem of an insight to use your language, that it is clear to whatever global person or medical director that they're speaking to, that the information they have collected is something that should be acted on and something that is useful from a strategic point of view. Is there any particular structure or way they should present insights? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I, you know, I was going to say, you know, put an asterisk in that uh, or, you know, highlight that particular cell. Uh, though you run the risk of, uh, you know, so many cells being highlighted uh, that, uh, it, you know, it loses its, uh, it loses its power. I, I think, you know, if, I, if I'm reading an insight, I, I guess what I want to understand is, you know, is there a gap that's associated that we can fill? Um, so, you know, to, I, you know there, there's lots of different insights in terms of, you know, somebody might say, well, you know, I, I was speaking to a particular consultant and, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they didn't like that the tablets were blue. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, obviously yeah. making yeah. You know, that may or may not be important from a commercial perspective. Um, but it's about, okay, what does that necessarily mean and how does that affect the product? And I, I think if I read something that said patients are not taking the product because it's blue, that lights up me, that lights yeah. me up as opposed to saying people don't like that it's blue. Yeah. I want to know why that's an insight. What is the significance of it? And I, I guess when it comes down to maybe for those listening and for people who are writing insights, it's about taking the piece of information and saying what impact does it have on the clinician what impact does it have on the patient and what impact does it have on the company and if an msl is able to, able to do that for every insight then hopefully it would make the job that you had much easier because you're able to clearly see if something needs to be addressed if there is a gap if there is an education need around a particular insight yeah uh, and and i think you know if from a from an MSL perspective, I think, you know, sitting them sitting down and asking themselves that question as they're writing everything down, will give them a, an understanding of hey, this is important, or hey, this isn't really all that important, um, you know. But you know, from our perspective, you know, when you're sort of overwhelmed with a whole lot of information, if somebody has already is telling you, you know, what is the significance as opposed to here's a fact. Um, it makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, say my ability to say, oh, wow, this is really cool. This is a gem. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, I think that's pretty much all the questions I have for you today. Thanks so much. Um, it's wonderful to get someone with such experience on and just hear um, about how you approach things. I'm hopeful that people will get a lot out of this episode. For people who do want to learn a bit more about you, uh, where can they find you? How can they contact you? Yeah, sure. So I am on LinkedIn. Uh, it's not necessarily always the best way to contact me. Uh, however, I'm happy to give my email address, which is Leon Rosen, um, L-E-O-N-R-O-Z-E-N, or one word, at gmail.com. It's fairly simple. Um, and happy to chat to people. And if I just wanted to say thank you for having me uh, on this uh, episode and uh, thank you for your great interviewing style as well. It was really good.
Not at all. It was, it was absolutely my pleasure. And I can leave your contact details in the show notes for people who want to drop you a message as well. Yeah, perfect. Okay, fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you.